Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, brought to you by Best Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, the broadcast about timely and important legal issues affecting the insurance industry. I'm John Zuba, editor of Best's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Joining me is Brendan Noonan from our communications team. We're pleased to have with us today attorney Renee DeMoss from the law firm of Gable Gottwalls in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Renee has over 26 years of legal experience with the firm. Her clients consist primarily of national insurance companies and large and small businesses. Renee is also involved with insurance litigation matters. The Oklahoma legislation recently passed a measure that would eliminate joint and several liability in tort cases. This is one of several tort reform bills that have passed both the Oklahoma House and Senate despite strong opposition and have now been signed into law by Oklahoma's new governor. And Brendan Noonan is going to lead off today with our first question. Uh, Renee, can you talk about the significance of this bill and why there has been such an emphasis on tort reform in Oklahoma? Yes, certainly. Tort reform really has been a strongly debated topic here in Oklahoma for several years now. It was focused initially back in around 2000 on a potential crisis in the medical field, and doctors here were claiming that frivolous lawsuits were being filed against them, and their malpractice insurance rates were going up so high that it was driving them out of business as well as raising prices for consumers. These uh, arguments were, of course, disputed by opponents of tort reform, but in 2004, our governor at that time did signed into law some tort reform measures, primarily in the context of malpractice cases. And these included putting a dollar cap or limit on non-economic damages, such as pain and suffering, that could be awarded in malpractice cases, and also some changes in joint and several liability at that time. The debate has continued to rage here in Oklahoma since those legislative measures were passed, and they have now expanded beyond the medical field. Now the atmosphere is that tort reform is being touted as a way to improve the business climate here in Oklahoma, and it's touted as a way to induce companies to do business here, to create jobs, and to reduce the fear of business litigation that can be uncontrolled at times. And the new governor that we have, Mary Fallon, has made tort reform part of her campaign platform. She was elected back in November of 2010, just a little bit ago. And she maintained that these tort reform laws would directly address the legal fees that were skyrocketing, protect the doctors and businesses who were complaining, and prevent them from moving or choosing to do their business in other states while still protecting the rights of of those who were bringing the suits and suffering injuries. Specifically with respect to the new law on joint and several liability, it is a significant measure that has been passed. It has been totally eliminated in Oklahoma. Under the law as it was, if there was more than one defendant in a lawsuit and one of them couldn't afford to pay the injured plaintiff all of the damages that he was responsible for, the other defendant could be made to pay the entire amount of the judgment, even beyond the percentage or degree they were at fault because they had the ability to pay. And the theory behind that was that if an injured party received a damage award and more than one defendant was responsible, if the one defendant couldn't pay his share, the other would have to pay both shares because the better choice was to make the injured party whole. And this was known as the deep pocket rule, that the party would have to pay damages beyond his fault because he had the ability to pay them. And it was argued that this type of law had led to attorneys in surrounding states, which had passed tort reform measures, which would include Missouri, Texas, some others, to try to file their lawsuits here in Oklahoma if they could. And because this joint and several liability provision has now been totally eliminated, the thought is that this will create a more friendly environment for businesses in Oklahoma. 
Uh, can you comment specifically on the House passing HM 2128, which puts a cap on non-economic damages in cases involving bodily injury? Yes, uh, this bill does put a cap on non-economic damages, which would be pain and suffering that can be awarded in negligence cases which involve bodily injury. So now it's not just medical malpractice cases that have such limits, but also cases involving auto accidents, health insurance claims, and other such cases. The maximum amount of non-economic damages that can be awarded now is $350,000. Of course, this does not affect pure economic damages that can be awarded if they are approved, such as medical bills or lost wages. The plaintiff can still be made financially whole on those damages. And the bill does provide that the cap can be lifted in certain cases if the injured party can prove by clear and convincing evidence that gross negligence or intent, fraud, malice was involved, then the cap on non-economic damages can be lifted. Now, Renee, can you also discuss the status of HB 1045, which would bar uninsured drivers from being able to collect damages related to pain and suffering in automobile crash cases? Well, House Bill 1045 would have prevented uninsured motorists involved in accidents from collecting from any defendant any damages other than their property damage, medical expenses, and lost income they might have suffered. Essentially, this bill would have prevented an uninsured motorist from being able to recover any pain and damage, suffering damages at all, even if he was injured through no fault of his own in the accident. The only exception to this would have been if the driver who was at fault in causing the accident was driving while he was intoxicated. But this bill did not pass the vote in the House this year. Now, will other states be looking at Oklahoma and the approval of the so-called tort reform legislation? Well, there will likely be some interesting fallout from these measures being passed. Texas, for example, has passed some strong tort reform measures, and there have been several reports that Texas attorneys and plaintiffs have been encouraged to do some form shopping and to file their tort suits in Oklahoma if they could, where we did not have a cap on the non-economic damages. So potentially their pain and suffering damages and attorney's fees could be higher than they would be if they'd filed in Texas. So whether this is true or not, the, the passing of these tort reform measures in Oklahoma may have shut down Oklahoma as a legal forum that other states were using. Certainly it was this theory that was persuasive to our legislature that Oklahoma businesses were at risk from out-of-state lawyers repeatedly targeting Oklahoma as a, quote, jackpot justice forum. That's what it was called. And by Oklahoma not taking measures such as capping liability, businesses that had a choice of where they could locate would avoid states like ours that had not enacted the tort reform laws in order to avoid the business risks of possibly being sued here with potentially higher judgments. Now, the fact that Oklahoma has passed these measures has indeed been noticed by other states that are viewed as having unfriendly business climates like Oklahoma was viewed. Right after we passed these measures, South Carolina had several articles published about it, and it was apparently used as an incentive for that state to pass similar measures. South Carolina is surrounded by more business-competitive states that do cap damages, such as Georgia, Florida, North Carolina, Virginia. And one of the articles I read lamented that Oklahoma was one of the few states whose legal climate was actually worse than ours. So that has arguably been corrected by the tort reform measures we passed. Uh, How are insurance companies affected by the recent legislation? Well, the proponents of this legislation contend that it reduces the risk of excessive judgments that have been paid by insurance companies, particularly on medical malpractice policies. The nature of insurance 
as you know, is that the lower the risk of payment by the insurance company, the lower the rate should be. Although certainly insurance rates will not immediately drop, it is believed, although still strongly debated by some, that these measures can at least keep the rates from increasing and over time may aid in dropping the rates. Another issue that should be of interest to the insurers is the effect of the cap limit on the bodily injury cases where bad faith is asserted, such as cases resulting from an insurer's refusal to authorize certain medical treatments that would involve bodily injury. The cap would certainly apply to limit non-economic damages in those types of cases which have traditionally been high in Oklahoma. Now, Renee, are there any other tort reform or legal issues currently pending or that have passed in Oklahoma, and are you expecting any other legislative changes? Yes, another measure that did pass this year that is viewed as a way to limit awards in Oklahoma is a new requirement that jury instructions must include an instruction that tells the jurors that no part of an award for personal injury or wrongful death will be subject to state or federal income tax. So whatever the amount the jury determines is proper compensation for the injury should not be increased or decreased by any consideration they may give to affect taxes may have. The jurors will be specifically told that no taxes will be taken from any award they give. With respect to future legislation, it is certainly anticipated, I think, that tort reform measures that are seen as creating jobs and encouraging businesses to locate in Oklahoma or perhaps to help out the medical profession in some way will continue to be hot issues here in Oklahoma. It is certainly a possibility that challenges to the tort reform measures that we've talked about that have been passed may be in the works, such as whether they are constitutional. Finally, I think many bills that don't make it through one legislative year can be addressed again, and any of those that have gone through but did not pass, such as House Bill 1045 that limits pain and suffering damages for uninsured motorists, may be raised again in the future. Renee, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. That was Renee DeMoss from the law firm of Gable Gottwalls in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Special thanks to Brendan Noonan from our communications team and to our producer, Brian Cohen. And thank you all for joining us for the Insurance Law Podcast. To subscribe to this audio program, visit podcast.insuranceattorneysearch.com or go to online directories such as iTunes or Google or Yahoo's podcast directory. If you have any suggestions for a future topic regarding an insurance law case or issue, please email us at lawpodcast.ambest.com. I'm John Zuba, joined by Brendan Noonan, and now this message. Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is used by decision makers at insurance companies responsible for selecting legal counsel and representation. The printed directory is distributed annually to insurance companies, non-insurance companies, third-party administrators, and corporate counsel around the world, and the online edition is accessible throughout the year. Your listing in Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is the most effective way to ensure that thousands of potential clients have access to your outstanding credentials. Here's why you should be listed in the number one insurance attorney reference. Your firm's credentials will be listed in our comprehensive reference guide, which is made available to thousands of insurance professionals globally, both in print and online. AMBEST listees are recognized as the most qualified in their field to represent the unique needs of insurance companies. Key decision makers rely on the directory to take the guesswork out of their selection process. They know that only the best are listed, those firms with a proven track record of excellence who are recommended by their insurance industry clients. And remember, one low rate guarantees year
year-long visibility for your firm. We invite you to use our web application process to apply for a listing today. With our reasonable rates and broad exposure, there's no more effective way to get the attention of the insurance industry. For more information about Best's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys, visit www.insuranceattorneysearch.com. 